The information provided in this podcast and on this website is intended for a Canadian audience. It is for informational purposes only and does not create a physician-patient relationship. It is not to be used as professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or care, nor is it intended to be used as a substitute. Anyone with any questions regarding medical conditions, issues, or problems should seek the advice of a physician. Hi, and welcome to the final episode of Peep the Process, a sport and exercise medicine podcast for Canadian student-athletes. Well, James, this is it, our final episode. Oh, you're giving me chills. I must say, I was very fortunate to have you as my co-host and Enrica as our associate producer. I really had the A-plus team, and you far exceeded my podcast expectations. I have a lot of gratitude. Oh, well, thank you, James. I had a lot of fun doing this. What do you want to say to our student-athlete listeners? There's so much I could say, but our listeners want to be inspired and not fall asleep from another dad-type lecture. I do suggest that if you liked our episodes, tell a friend, tell a teammate, uh, tell a coach and a parent. We can all understand each other better if we become better listeners. Being a student-athlete is not easy. We have heard how hard it can be, but it also gives you a sense of community. Your team can be like another family. You also can have a lot of fun and learn lifelong skills. Absolutely, but student athletes need to feel the support from their school and the medical team. Listening to the news this summer, we know that many communities do not feel the support they deserve. The same goes for individual student athletes. If you do not feel supported, speak up and ask why. If that feels intimidating, have a conversation with your doctor. Your doctor's conversations with you are private and confidential in almost every circumstance. It may be one of your best moves. James, you have reached into your network and found us some amazing guests for Peep the Process. I'm excited to hear how our final guest, Mark Rosardo, supports his student athletes through the process of athletic training and through the process of injury rehab, both as a coach and as one of Canada's most esteemed physiotherapists. I have the pleasure of introducing our guest today, Mark Rosardo, who is a registered international sport physical therapist and the owner and partner of Metrotown Orthopedic and Sports Physiotherapy in Burnaby, British Columbia. In 2014, Mark was inducted into the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame as a recipient of the Brian Budd Award of Distinction, which is awarded to outstanding individuals that have promoted the game of soccer in Canada. Mark is also an inductee into the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame with the 1984 men's soccer team. He has worked with Olympic athletes and was the chief therapist with the Canadian medical teams at the 2012 London Olympics, 2010 Vancouver Olympics, and the 2007 Rio de Janeiro Pan Am Games. He is the head coach of Langara Falcons College men's soccer team and a clinical associate professor with the University of British Columbia in the Faculty of Medicine and the School of Physical Therapy. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. So, Mark, you are the head coach of the Langara College men's soccer team and have been inducted into the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame. What is the most important piece of advice you share with your players? You know, usually I, I want to... My last uh, thing I say to my players almost before every game is uh, go out and enjoy the game. 
And uh, that's hard to take sometimes uh, as an athlete. I think, you know, you're feeling some pressure, especially as the playoffs get closer. But, you know, having been an athlete, uh, university athlete myself at UBC, um, you know, when you go back and you, and you kibis with your old teammates, you know, you don't end up talking about how you beat UVic one, t- one nothing. It's about the trips and the times and you go down memory lane and, uh, you know, those are always fond memories and those friends, those university friends stay friends for a long time. And it was more about, there's more to sports than just the end result of every game. So I try and encourage my players to have fun at practice. I encourage them to have fun, uh, you know, at, on a game day, but also, you know, look at it as a, a teammate and being supportive with each other. And similar to your introduction, um, especially these times, you know, right now I've got uh, quite a few international students in my team. And, uh, you know, there are 18 and 19-year-old kids that are, you know, from all over the world. I mean, I literally have an athlete from, you know, two from Japan, Iran, Peru, France, England, Germany. And they're all new into the city and they're living here by themselves. And so uh, to have that team network is extremely important. And yes, soccer is important for us. But, uh, you know, they're all living through a very tough time right now. And they're they're each other's uh, cheerleaders. So it's... uh, I just tell them to try and have some fun. Awesome. So do you like to emphasize process as well as outcome? And how is this similar and how is this different in speaking with your players as a coach and with your patients as a physiotherapist? Yeah, I mean, they're similar, right? They're very similar. Like my players, they want to get an education, but at the same time, a lot of them want to turn uh, professional. And Canada's got a new soccer league called the CPL. And uh, I'm kind of involved with it because I'm one of the scouts now. And so they're coming through for me to rec- you know, recommend them to, to the coaches. But their end goal is to get an education. And their end goal is to uh, be successful. And my patience is exactly the same. Their end goal is to rehab from their injury and be successful so they can go and enjoy life. Alrighty. As a coach... What routine do you ensure your players follow in order to optimize their performance? Yeah, I try to get them in a routine uh, that's consistent. You know, I, so we start with the FIFA 11 plus every practice, every game. We have our leaders on the team that started, you know, start the routine. Everybody follows suit. Uh, we're COVID distancing right now, so it's actually even better. And uh, and then they do some mental imaging. We brought in a sports. Uh, mental uh, for the mental aspect last year. So the sports psychologist came in. So they, you know, on the way to the game and when they're taught, you know, before the game starts in the dress room, they're mentally preparing uh, to perform, you know, and they, I think it's important because when you get out in life and you, you know, mental rehearsal is important. doesn't matter if you're a physio or a physician, a surgeon or an accountant, like, you, you have to mentally get ready to do the task you're doing, and my players are exactly the same. Mark, can you tell us what are some of the key differences that mental performance training has given your team since you started that last year? Big difference. Like we have, uh, we've always used uh, key words. So say, say the word was focus. So, you know, periodically, once a game, twice a game, if I want them to refocus, then I'll just say that. I'll just say refocus 
and I want them to all hear it and they just come to the same point in terms of what we want them to do. And they're not thinking about going out with a date that night or what they did last night and things like that. And uh, with these you know, university students, they've got a thousand things on their brain. They've got their exams are coming up. You know, they've got a papers coming up. They've got a date. They've got uh, family, you know, asking them how they're doing. And I think, you know, the mental rehearsal allows them to break away from that, focus on the game. And they, they've been pretty good. They use it. They use it in their life. They use it before exams. You know, they can, they can kind of almost like self meditation in a lot of ways. And, uh, they tell me their feedback has been extremely good. That's excellent. You know, earlier in, uh, our season, uh, episodes for Peep the Process, we had uh, a lot of discussion about anxiety uh, and a lot of uh, discussion about depression. And uh, I'm just wondering whether you may have noticed any differences. Uh, certainly with COVID-19, it's, it, it's hard to uh, tell. There's a lot of bias, isn't there? Because uh, we're all anxious and depressed. But uh, have you noticed any uh, differences in the way your athletes have coped since they uh, embarked upon that training? You know, I didn't see it uh, a lot last year, but I tell you, I, you're right. Since the COVID shutdown in March, uh, I wouldn't say we saw, I've seen a lot of quote unquote depression, but because I have, like I said before, a lot of international students, they're kind of, they're here by themselves, right? So I, I just had to make sure that the other guys were contacting them like, you know, through zoom or through calls or whatever. And I did, I tried to do as much as I can too. We had an extremely tight group last year, like probably one of the best groups ever. Uh, I think the mental training helped and it helped that I wasn't there. I wasn't part of it. And, uh, I, I, I think they were tight, you know, they're calling each other through the entire COVID that shut down and they're all going for walks, you know, keeping their COVID distance and stuff. It was good. It was really a positive thing. Mark, uh, now I understand why you were awarded the Men's Coach of the Year at the 2019-2020 PacWest Conference Awards. But I want to just remind you that uh, this podcast is all about the process. And so with that in mind, what's the key ingredient that a coach must have to lead a successful team? Hmm. I think, I think you got you to gotta show some empathy. Uh, I, I think you need to be flexible. I think you need to be modern. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to be with the times. Like a long time ago, I would like have to phone everybody. And then it started, you know, we do the email. And now, you know, the boys all have chat rooms and stuff. So uh, you have to move with the times. And if you don't, you're, you're going to be out of the loop. And so, you know, things with me is like, I try and stay current. And I think having my three girls, uh, we're all women now, uh, has really helped me a lot because they keep me on my toes. And uh, I just think you just got to remember that they're young adults, you know, and I, I don't treat them like kids. I treat, I try and treat them like adults. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said before, I was an athlete. I've been, I've been through it. And so I've coached and I've watched a lot of good coaches. I, I've been lucky. See, I, as a, as a therapist, as you know, you travel and you work with all these different coaches and you just pick out 
little things from each coach. Like Tony Waiters, who I, you know, is a icon in, in Canadian soccer. And he was a coach of the Canadian World Cup team and the Olympics in 84 and the World Cup team in 86. He never had a curfew, like ever. Like he would, but he would say, if you don't perform tomorrow morning or at practice, you're going home on your own dime. And those guys, they were in bed before the guy that had the curfew before his time was even like, he was like the guy that coached before him would have like 11 o'clock curfew. Guys were breaking curfew all the time. But with Tony, he's like, you can stay up until three o'clock in the morning. I don't care. But if you don't perform tomorrow morning, you're done. These guys are in bed at 10 o'clock. Like men, like, you know, they're like, I I don't want to screw up. I don't want to let my teammates down. And just little things like that you can piece out that I try and incorporate as a, as a coach, you know, I, I say to them like time management is the number one thing you're going to learn in my team. You're not, you may not learn to be the best soccer player in the world, but you're going to school, you're working uh, with our, with our team. And some of them are even working like part-time. So I said, you're going to figure out how, like, when do you going to study? Are you going to study at seven o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night, whatever you have to do, you're going to do it. Mark, both you and I have seen many tears of the anterior cruciate ligament or ACL in the knees of our uh, student athletes, especially female athletes. Uh, I know that uh, the female athletes suffer this perhaps four to eight times more often than the male athletes for a number of reasons that we're not really certain. It may be a mechanical problem. It may be a, a problem because of their hormones, but all the Uh, information in the medical literature tell us and your and my experience show us that uh, female athletes get this injury way too often and it's a devastating injury because it can really ruin an entire season uh, of of the athlete's uh, career. So um, Mark, can you uh, share with our listeners uh, some of your ACL 101 please? Yeah, the ACL is a main, one of the main stabilizer ligaments in your knee. So if you damage it, it will lead to instability. That means when you're running, say you're running straight, and you go to change direction, it, your knee's going to be loose. And it's going to feel awkward. Like you're not going to feel comfortable. So that little instability or that looseness will mean that you, know, you don't feel like you can do certain movements like cutting in the basketball court or uh, chipping a ball and then quickly sprinting after it. So the 101 on, on ACL injuries is if it's diagnosed as an injury by your practitioner, be it a sports med doc or your family doctor or a physiotherapist, then you got to take the lead from them and just follow their directions in terms of doing some simple exercises to try and strengthen the muscles around the knee to try and get some more stability. And for many student athletes, this results in a big surgery, doesn't it? Yes. So if you completely tear that ACL, which means now you've lost one of your main stability ligaments in your legs, they will have to reconstruct your knee. And the rehabilitation of that in surgery will be anywhere from 8 to 12 months. So if you tear it in the middle, say, of October – and in BC, that's the middle of the soccer season or basketball season. You will not be able to play until October of the next year. 
which means you lose the entire year you're in and the start of the next season. That's a long time. And for a developing young adolescent, that can be crucial. So you got to make sure that when you get involved in the surgery and the post-surgery treatment, you follow the directions of your practitioner so you go back 100% strong. Mark, would you want our student-athlete listeners to know about the rehab process following an ACL injury? The number one thing I want them to learn is that they need to listen to directions from their practitioner, whoever that is. They can't just make up stuff on their own and see teammate B over here doing things that they haven't been told to do. Don't jump ahead the queue. Just go along, follow what your practitioner is telling you to do, and be detailed in it. Don't do it half-heartedly. You know, this is a job. Your job is to get your knee better and make it a job, and you're going to be super successful. Awesome. Can you give us a brief description of what the return-to-play process looks like following an ACL injury? 100%. So that player is given the green light to start practicing, so they can do short uh, drills. They'll have a special pinny on uh, or a bib on so that nobody can touch them. There's non-contact for that athlete. You want them to uh, train when it's not wet. So if they're on an outside sport, you don't want to be on a wet surface so they can slip. You want to make sure that they're really careful in changing direction. Even though they're ready, they've been given the green light, they still want to be careful, especially the first two sessions maybe, so that they're comfortable in their own skin, changing direction under their own control at their own pace. And they don't expect to be a superstar in the first couple of practices. After that, uh, they can start getting rid of the penny. They can start doing some contact, but nothing silly like in soccer. They wouldn't do a sliding tackle. In basketball, you know, you might not want to go and dribble right at the guy that's under the hoop because then you may end up landing awkwardly on that knee. So you want to just do things safely and not risky. And then after that, it's full contact. And then you cannot play a full game until you've had full contact in a, in a practice. And you want to probably have that for more than one practice. So depending on the time frame, I'm, you're probably looking at between three and four weeks of full contact in a practice before you go into a game. Mark, what are some of the training methods student athletes can use to prevent this type of injury? Some of the injuries, uh, especially the ACL, is preventable by doing neuromuscular training, which means that you're trying to coordinate your muscles and the nerves in your body to be coordinated and strong. So that when you go into a certain move, you've done that move before and it becomes automatic and you don't have to think about it. So there's some jumping techniques like just jumping up in the air and landing, making sure your knee is over your second toe, changing direction, but again, landing, so your knee's always over your second toe. The tendency for a lot of people is when they land, that their knee will go towards the inside. We call that medial tracking or valgus. When that starts happening, and if you want to try it yourself, you'll just go up, jump, land, and look and see where your knee goes. If it starts going towards the middle of your body, you need to have somebody teach you how to do it properly because sometimes that will lead to a torn ACL. 
You also have to learn to know where your knee is in space or your foot is in space. So if you're walking on rough terrain at the beach, a rocky crag or something like that, that if you're going to sprain your ankle or go over on your knee, that it doesn't happen. You can correct it so the feedback loop to your brain is almost automatic. So there's a whole bunch of series of exercises that you can do. Ask a local practitioner to teach them, and you can do them on your own in front of a mirror, and it's easy to do. Mark, is there anything else you'd like to say to our student-athlete listeners? I think, you know, I would like you to do is take away the number one thing is enjoy the sports that you're doing, but try and play other sports at the same time. Become a multi-sport athlete. You want to take up sports that are lifelong sports, golfing, tennis, badminton, things like that that you can just pick up and you don't need a whole team of people. Swim, cycle. You know, I'm now cycling more than I've ever cycled. I literally, I uh, cycle three to four times a week between 20 and 45, 50K and it's like the best thing. I have osteoarthritis knee because of my poor ACL, but I don't, I don't have any pain, and I can do things uh, without pain at all. I don't run uh, just because of my knee. I don't do any pounding, but I can cross-country ski. So my, I encourage university athletes, high school athletes, become multi-sport athletes. Don't just get stuck in the mud very few of us are going to make it into the pro ranks. And even the pros play other sports. If you talk to the NHL players, a lot of them have played lacrosse. A lot of them have played other sports. And I, if you want to lessen the damage on your joints and your muscles, play other sports that use other muscles. So be like Emma. Once your skating career is done, Move yourself into half marathon running and pro golf, just like Emma has uh, done. Yeah. Um, Mark, you've been great today. Uh, so glad we invited you to be our final guest on Peep the Process. Thanks for the invite. It was a lot of fun. To the listeners, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast, and we hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Instagram at Peep the Process Podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at Peep the Process. Our website can be found at peeptheprocess.buzzsprout.com. This podcast is produced by Emma Jacobs along with associate producer Enrica Immaturo. Special thanks to the Department of Family Medicine at the Scarborough Health Network, the Athletic Department at Seneca College, and the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine for their support. See you next time. At this point, we would like to remind you that the information provided in this podcast and on this website is intended for a Canadian audience. It is for informational purposes only and does not create a physician-patient relationship. It is not to be used as professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or care, nor is it intended to be used as a substitute. Anyone with any questions regarding medical conditions, issues, or problems should seek the advice of a physician.